Welcome to GFCN Online, where we're taking a little bit of the online world and reserving it as a place for you to connect to God and connect to your neighbor. We're so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Gainesville First Church of the Nazarene. And in this series, we're interviewing pastors in the Church of the Nazarene in the state of Georgia and asking them questions about their calling, uh, their faith journey, what that looks like, maybe some of their struggles and challenges. I think this is important. Uh, if you're familiar with pastors, if you are a pastor, these are stories that you need to hear. So today we'll be hearing uh, one of those stories. In today's episode, we'll be interviewing Pastor Michael McCants. Uh, he's passionate about being a father and a husband. He is a pastor at East Point Church of the Nazarene in Atlanta, Georgia. He also produces and writes music. Uh, this is uh, one of the things we talk about in this episode. And um, he is just passionate about serving God. He plants churches. That's one of his things. And he helps other people plant churches. Uh, he's a gifted uh, pastor, and we're happy to have him in the Church of the Nazarene here in the state of Georgia. Uh, look forward to having this conversation. Glad you're a part of it. All right. Well, we're here with Reverend Michael McCants, and I just wanted to ask, uh, what would you say are the major bookmarks of your faith journey? I, um, I, when I think about that, I, I think so about so much because let me say, first of all, I am um, a third generation Nazarene preacher. Okay. Um, and so, uh, which means I've been in church my entire life. <laughs> And um, a lot of things come to mind. I think about when I was five years old uh, and we was in my grandfather's church and uh, we were in a prayer meeting. It was, it was a Friday night prayer meeting. Uh, and I remember the Lord touching me. I remember vividly that was the first time I've ever experienced um, uh, the call of God on my life. And I remember I was reading a book about calling and ministry, and um, the author uh, starts describing um, different types of callings. And so one of one of his descriptions was the, the domestic road calling, you know, very dramatic. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, and so that's that that was that was one for me. I was five years old. I, I'll never forget it. We're in prayer meeting. And I, I had, it was like the Lord took me up. I, I, I was on the altar. I, I got up and, um, like I had, like I had a vision, an out of body experience or something. And I literally, it was like the Lord showed me, me standing behind the pulpit preaching the gospel. And then I remember, uh, him reaching and touching my tongue, uh, what have you. And then my tongue became like fire. Uh, and, and and I was preaching the gospel, mm. and I, it, it was just a great experience. When I came back to myself, I was on the floor crying, "Yes, God, yes, God." <laughs> oh God, the, the, my grandfather, the look he had on his face, <laughs> mm. <laughs> because everyone knew, it, you know, it was something genuine. And so that was one bookmark. Uh, another bookmark yeah. I can I can experience. I I, I experienced. It was probably about five or six years later, uh, when I when I was about twelve or thirteen, and, and I experienced uh, sanctification. Uh, once again, we were in a revival, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in my grandfather's church and um, Reverend, our uh, old Nazarene preacher, Reverend, uh, Reverend Lonzo Pugh. Okay. He came, uh, he was, I think he was from Orlando, Florida. He came to South Carolina and preached the gospel and uh, uh, and I got on the altar and was praying and I, I literally felt the desires of sin leave me, you know, for, for sin leave mm-hmm. me. Um, I, I felt unholiness that was just un, undescribable. And I remember I got a, I got in the car after church, and I had uh, some secular tapes, you know, like Anita Baker and Whitney Houston, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, these secular tapes. And I was like, no, I don't want this. I know I will never listen to this music again. I'm ready. I'm ready to throw it out the window. And <laughs> I started. Uh, wanting to have prayer, I, I I rearranged my room. I had had a little altar in my room. I have, I begged my mama for a Bible. I was reading my Bible. I, I mean, it was just a, yeah. you know, a, a great uh, Holy Ghost transformation experience. Mm. Uh, and then I remember again uh, um, when I uh, I remember when we first started our church, and um, I remember the first Sunday. It was the First Sunday in January, uh, two thousand and ten, um, and I thought the church was going to be big. Josh, you know, mm-hmm. people were going to come from all over. Um, you know, uh, we we thought we would have a full house. It was going to be wonderful. It, it, it was actually January the third, two thousand and ten. Okay. I just I just knew it was going to be a big turnout. Me and my wife had did our due diligence. It was going to be wonderful, and no one showed up but my wife, my two girls at the time, and uh, my brother and, and, and his girlfriend. Okay. Oh, talk about the heat went out of mm. went out of my, you know. Mm. Just, just, and I remember I went ahead. I had service anyway, and uh, we sung hymns and sung worship like the house was full, and I preached, launched out into the deep. Uh, when Jesus told the disciples to launch their nets out. And right before I did the altar call and I was finished preaching, I felt the presence of the Lord like a hand on my back. Mm-hmm. As if he was saying, he was pleased. I'm with you. You're not in this by yourself. And ever since then, I never looked back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, um, so, yeah, so, so those are some great yeah. marks yeah. right there. Yeah. And I have a thousand, I have hundreds of more, but that. Yeah. Tell me more about the time between sanctification and that first church plant. Um, so, um, uh, like I said, I, I remember my initial experience with sanctification, um, uh, my desire, uh, and my, and my, and the hunger for the word and for prayer, was was heightened. I um I remember uh me uh, sitting in Sunday school and the children's Sunday school wasn't enough for me. And so I asked to be placed in the adult Sunday school. Uh-huh. So all of my so all of my life in in uh in church I've always sat in adult Sunday school, adult Bible study. And I was always privy to 
the 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 leadership training in the church um because that's where I was being fed the word uh-huh. uh my 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 uh, mom and my pastor of course were great mentors in making sure I understood what holiness was and of course you could imagine as a little boy you know you still get into your mischief you, you know you still you know you still uh, you know, doing things you know you're not supposed to be doing. However, there was an experience there. There, mm. there was a hunger there, mm. and I remember around the eighth grade, um, it was like the Holy Spirit dealt with me again, um, and touched me again. It, it deepened my sanctification, mm. and, 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 and I remember. From that day before uh, it was on the middle of the school year, because of course by this time you're a teenager. Um, during my era, you know, of uh, of education, <laughs> it, it was very popular for you know it, it, for you to be in middle school and someone offer you to smoke or uh, to drink or you know uh, test you with fornication, you know, and so. It, it it was almost like the Lord was saying, "No, let me deepen this thing. Let let me let me remind you. Let me uh, stir this 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 call in you. This 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 sanctification in you. Um, some more." And I remember I became that kid that walked around with with with, with their Bible, who became an advocate for uh, peace and unity in the school. I quickly became like a, a big brother, a mentor. To a lot of kids that uh, into gangs or whatever the story may be, because they knew that I was the one that was going to preach them, preach the word to them, and I was going to be an example of what God, what godliness was. Mm. And, 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 and as teenagers, we, we don't necessarily know how to put it into that verbiage, but we know that you know, yeah. hey, this person has something that I need. And that, I, and that I can't experience. And every time I speak to him, there's something about him mm. that adds to, to my life. And so I can remember that being a case. Um, and I can remember, as, as Paul would say, uh, every time I wanted to do right, you know, he was always present. Yeah. You know, that, that, that struggle became there. And, and as I often tell my church, I, I've learned that in essence, sanctification is not only the ability to be to be holy, it's but it is it, it's God allowing you to love, you know, to operate in forgiveness, to to display His character, and it's also the power and the ability to say no to sin. It's not that we don't get tempted. It, it's, it's not that we don't experience things. Um, you, you know that, that that there's not a desire there, but because of the Holy Spirit, because of His sanctifying power. We're able to say no to the devil. So this uh, this first church plant was that your first ministry assignment? What what uh, that was like? Yes. So uh, ironically, uh, what happened? Uh, my of course my my grandfather passed maybe around my eighth grade ninth grade year, and so uh, you know uh, we 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 could not find a pastor to really take. Well, at least we were told we could find a pastor. That would take the uh, the church on mm-hmm. next, mm-hmm. uh, what have you. And so they closed the church, and so church uh, about two hundred people or so. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up leaving the Nazarene church for a season, 
And so we go to this church around the corner, non-denominational, who just happened to uh, be a church steeped in Wesleyan theology. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's where I met my wife. She was singing in the choir. Uh, and uh, this is the most beautiful voice I had ever heard. Uh-huh. And she, um, we, we became great friends. And so fast forward, we get married. And right after we get married, we um, asked the pastor, you know, we really felt the call of God to pastor. Really, you know, uh, in, in that world, there, there was no already made church. So the ideal thing was to plant a church, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I I remember when I went through my DCPI training uh, and, and um, for church planning, and I took. Of course, I'm, I'm also a part of the exponential uh, emerging leaders group, what have okay. you. And so um, I remember listening and learning from them and thinking, "Wow, McCann, you really jacked up your first church plant." It's the things <laughs> we learn in hindsight. <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, my God. We did everything backwards, Josh. <laughs> but we, we we had the call. We had the burden for it. What have you. We, we, we completed what, what the church had prescribed, mm-hmm. you know, as training. Uh, then we were ordained elders. And so we got the permission of the pastor. To, uh, and he released us. He sent us. Mm-hmm. And we um, started this church. And uh, uh, and we started it wrong, you know, uh, but, but but our hearts were in the right place. Uh, so we spent the first five years or so really struggling, you know, um, and um, really couldn't keep membership going. I mean, it, it, oh, we were paying for it out of our pocket, mm-hmm. uh, what, what have you. It, it was it was some really rough years, but but I knew God had called me to pastor, and so I would uh, constantly read books and get some mentors on it. Started and started correcting some of my errors. <laughs> so about five years into the church plant, the, the the Lord reminded me and, and stirred me that that He called me to pastor and that I was going to also pastor in the Nazarene Church. Mm. Uh, let, let, let me back up real quick. When, when we did start our church, we immediately reached out to the superintendent uh, of, of South Carolina, uh, and he gave me an assignment. You know, I, I, I had to grow the church. I had to um, get some things done mm-hmm. uh, before we even considered having the conversation. And so I, it took me five years, John, to get those things mm-hmm. on lock. <laughs> and uh, I called uh, uh, Dr. Eastep back, and I had everything ready, and he was so gracious and kind. He really took me in, and we began to work on this thing. And God began to grow the church, you know, uh, and where we had systems in place and all of those things began to happen. And God was just faithful. So watch this, Josh. The first three years uh, of us um, replanting our church in the Nazarene church, we we started experiencing growth. Uh, then we I ended up uh, being an interim pastor of the uh, of, of another church. Uh, while tr- planning this church, mm. and then we merged the church okay. by, by the fourth year. Okay. We merged the church. It, it was a great merge. It was wonderful. The church took off uh, because because we had a bunch of radical, uh, non traditional new converts, mm. and, then, and then and then we had a group that was steeped in Nazarene tradition, and they were 
you know, matured church workers. Mm. And so that it was a beautiful mesh of the two and the church just kept going and growing. The same year we merged, Josh, we planted a second church. Wow. We planted a second church an hour away from our church. We, we left Florida, South Carolina and planted a satellite church in Columbia, South Carolina. Here's the kicker with this church. This church was built solely off. We had some teenagers who graduated that went to college in Columbia. And they kept saying, Pastor, you always talking about church planning. You always talking about disciples who make disciples. You're always talking about, you know, moving into new territory. We should really start a church in Columbia. Well, Josh, <laughs> you know, that to me that was crazy. Because, you know, it took me, you yeah. know, five, yeah. six years to get to this point, you know. And I'm not going through that again. <laughs> <laughs> but you did it anyway. But of course, yeah, I did. The Lord wouldn't let it go, and uh, uh, and so I submitted, and I took the training that I had, and I did everything right, and took my time, and the Columbia Church exploded. Mm. I told God, I'm gonna give it 30 days, and we're just gonna let it go. And so, 30 days, we literally went from five people who had been praying over the phone and meeting and strategizing and getting the vision embedded into them and becoming leaders in the church to over 50 people in 30 days of college My students. Goodness. College students, young adults, single families. Why? Uh, and ever since then, that church has been thriving, pushing forward. You good. know, uh, And so, you know, the church planning life has been, you know, very uh, interesting. But God has been faithful through it all. I can truly say two church planners that you have the burning but also have have the learning you know um take the advice of those that are around you who've been met who've been down that road so that you can miss those roadblocks and those things um along the so way. you're also you also write and and sing gospel music and i wonder if you could tell me more about that is that part of your calling is that a hobby tell me more you know, Josh, that's that's funny to me because I was just telling, I just posted on my Facebook about, you know, what happened. I've always felt like I had a call to music. Mm. Always. I knew it was uh, it was a passion. It was a gift of mine. Uh, music, what have you. I knew it would assist me in my preaching ministry. Me and music, we are married together. Mm. Uh, but there's one problem, Josh. There's one big problem. <laughs> I cannot sing. <laughs> I cannot. I can. <laughs> I cannot sing. It's, it's it's the crazy. And I can remember laying in the bed at night crying to God <laughs> because I literally I lived music. I my as a matter of fact, my entire education career was centered around music. I was in band, chorus. Uh, when I went off to college, uh, it, it 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 was my music that you know band mm-hmm. and learning the piano, you know, all of that is what paid for my education, you know. But I can't sing. I can direct the choir. I know how to write. I I, I know how to arrange, you know. And so my wife is the singer, uh-huh. and so I used to always push my wife, you know, push my wife. Uh, I had friends and stuff. I was always pushing people. I just figured I had an ear for music. So I could help others, right? 
And one year, the Lord really began to deal with me about, about what he gave me and how he wanted to use me. And so what I did, I took our uh, 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 some singers and formed a, a worship band. And I, I had some songs that I had written through prayer. So sometimes when I do my altar calls, songs would just come out of me. And so I, and, and I would just start singing the mm. song right, right, right on the spot, you know. And so I took about four of these songs that came out of prayer, um, that came out of time of consecration. And I wrote them, organized them, got, got with a producer, and put the album together. And can I tell you, it was not one of the most fulfilling experiences uh, I've ever experienced. I felt like I answered my call all over. Oh, wow. Well. So this is yeah. recent that and, you've been doing that? Yeah, this, 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 was, this was about a okay. year ago. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I put the project together. I released it. On all digital sites, uh, Michael L. McCants and the MSI worshipers. It's called The Vows. And so um, the, the, the album is written around the idea of us making commitments to God and then God making promises back to us based off his word. And, and so um, now th- this is the funny part. I have been pushing my wife for years and pushing other people for years and could never get them to the point where people will sign them, right? Mm-hmm. I dropped I dropped this album and I made one submission to a label and it didn't take a day. The label reached out to me and signed me back, you know, and signed me. Great. And so within the same year, I, I answered this call in the music ministry uh, and I get signed to a record label all in the same breath. God really breathed on, you know, um, this particular mm-hmm. project. And so, uh, to answer your question, I, I do believe it is a it is a call. It is my call, uh, my initial calling, evolving um, into preaching through music, and not only through song. I mean, through sermons. So, what I hear you, your journey is some of the major bookmarks. You had this really vision experience uh, when you were a child. It sounds like of God calling you specifically to preach the word. And as you got older and, and developed in your, in your relationship with Christ, um, you started to see specifics of that. So you, it seems like you, you have a heart for church planning um, specifically, uh, or, or that's been part of your journey at least. And yeah. also this, this heart and calling and passion for uh, gospel music. That's those are some great things. Is that would you say that's a good absolutely. synopsis? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I am always uh, saying to younger ministers and people who are interested in ministry. Um, I I think the first part of calling is preparation, uh, and and then the second part of calling is is identity. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, where and, and and from that point, you're constantly growing into that that which God initially called yes. you into. So you're constantly preparing, and you're constantly un- the more you prepare and understand, the more you begin to understand who you are in God. You know, uh, and so relationship is key, and mentorship is key. I've I, I've had great mentors. I've had a relationship with God 
where I allow the Holy Spirit to minister to me and teach me and show me um, through prayer and, and consecration. I've um, have education and committed to life life learning out life learning learning moments, reading and sitting in conferences. And I also had great mentors, mm-hmm. men of God, women of God, who I literally made myself available to and just took it all in, you know, and watched and learned. And, you know, and so mm-hmm. absolutely. And another part of your, I don't know if you could say this as part of your calling, but it seems like you specifically felt like you either wanted or needed to be in the Church of the Nazarene. Yes, that I would concur that that was a calling. Um, yeah, absolutely. I let me, and I, I feel like I, I can share this. Um, I, I, I am a third generation Nazarene, as, 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 as I said. As a matter of fact, my, my entire family um, would not have known Christ had it not been for a Nazarene knocking on mm-hmm. their door. Uh, um, it was my entire family, um, and and um, I can remember that five year old calling. That when I was five years old, I knew I was going to preach in the Nazarene Church. I mm. knew it. I knew God was going to use me greatly in the Nazarene Church. And then when I got permission to be released out of that. Um, church that was was not was not my mm-hmm. initial church i knew then god was god was sending me mm-hmm. back to the nazarene church uh, and so uh yeah. it's amazing to me because uh even though i've been exposed to other ministries and other practices and other you know denominational views you know uh, I'm, I'm very uh well-rounded about my surroundings you know um, but I, I, I stay true to, to my Western theology. That's mm-hmm. what I preach. That's what I believe. That's what I live. You know, that's what mm-hmm. I practice. And so it just, you know, even, even if the Nazarene church had said no to me, I was going to, st- I was going to still be ordering the books for Foundry and still getting the manual every year. And I was going to structure mm-hmm. my church. Like a messenger, because I knew that's where God wanted me, and that was the practices right. that God had for my ministry. Thanks. Oh. Wow. So you you hinted at some challenges, but I wonder if you'd say more about some of the challenges you faced along the way. Um, one of my biggest challenges, um, uh, and and Josh to, to know me is to know I'm a very transparent person. Because uh, I just feel like my experiences will help someone. One of the biggest um, uh, problems, uh, hardships, was my lack of understanding when it came to money. Um, I did not have a strong understanding of money, and I tell people all the time, especially my leaders, and when I have a chance, I spend a lot of time with mm-hmm. younger leaders. That one of the key things to life and ministry is to understand money. If you don't understand money, you will disrespect money. And when you disrespect money, money will disrespect you. (laughs) (laughs) And so there was a constant rat hole 
of, of a lot of experiences where money was the problem because I did not understand mm. money and how to manage money. Mm. Uh, and so through those, of course, hardships and, and things like that, I had to begin to grow and, like I said, read books and sit at people's feet and learn and through experiences how to better handle my money and how to better man- manage the uh, money that was, you know, given to me to sure. do what I, what, what yeah. I was supposed to do. Another, another good hurdle was uh, I remember um, my wife got pregnant with our third child and she um, ended up going into labor three months early. And I'll never forget it. We 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 were about two two years or so into mm. pastoring, and of course we did not have the church off of the ground. I was the only one working because the the pregnancy was so tense. And um, she went into labor, and I almost lost mm. my life. Um, and I remember saying to God, "I cannot lose my wife. I love my wife." I, I, I need her. We we have a family to build. We have, you know, we, we, you know, all these dreams and goals and plans that we have. I need my wife, God. You didn't give me my wife to take my wife. I, I'm just going through all of this, and once again, as only He can, He says to me, "Whatever happens next, hope is just fine." Hmm. She comes out of surgery. She's fine. The baby is in is in is, is in the is in the cube. The baby is fine, just like God said it would. But He said, "Whatever happened next, everything is just fine." They found a portal vein, uh, an aneurysm in, in her portal vein going oh. to her liver, and the doctor says to us, "He never saw something like this in the history of medicine for him, what have you." Uh, and so we don't know what to do. She literally spends five months or so in the hospital. So I have a newborn baby that's in, that's in NICU. I have uh, my children were probably two and one years old, maybe two, 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 three, mm-hmm. two years old. I had to quit my job to provide normalcy for them and, and manage the hospital and manage mm-hmm. the church. Now, Josh, I, I've learned something in that uh, because I, I understand about self-care and I understand about family being first, but I also recognize when the enemy is trying to uh, deter you from what God has called you. And so God uh, gave me grace. I had faith. I had confidence that I was going to be the husband I was supposed to be. My wife was going to be a priority. I was going to be a father. I was going to be the father my children needed me to be in that moment. And I was going to be that pastor. Because these three things are mm-hmm. my calling. I, I have to manage this well. And so, so with the help of family, you know, my mom and my brother, we, I was able to maintain all of my heads. It's so funny. My brother would show up late at night after I had put the kids to sleep and did, you know, my fatherly duties, put them to sleep, my brother would spend the night. I would go to, to the hospital to be with my wife. Uh, then I would wake up 
come to come home before the kids woke up. Let my brother leave, cook their breakfast, get them ready, and take them to daycare, and then go back to the hospital. Oh. <laughs> uh, and then and then the hospital gave me grace and allowed me to move my church services to the to the chapel. And so we were having chapel church in the chapel downstairs, uh, which would let me be away from my wife for an hour or so. And the doctors knew where I was if, if they needed me. And so we went through that hard time um, together. So faith, not uh, my, my, my friends picking me all the time. But cancer is not the person that's going to turn around and find another way. He's mm. going to press through. Because because I believe in being faithful to the call. When God asks us to do something, you have to be faithful to it, no matter the cause. Um, you, you know, and I know that He will take care of you, even with, uh, in the midst of of, mm. of that chaos. Mm. Yeah, um, uh, we we I've, I've had to learn how to deal with members leaving. You know, um, I had to deal with people wanting to be a part of the church. But because our church wasn't a bigger church or didn't have the the whistles yeah. of church, we'll just come when you get yeah. everything together, you know. <laughs> so uh, as much as I love people, I had to learn to respect their decisions and mm-hmm. still love them. So many great lessons along the way. Um, so I shall not bore us with a whole bunch of more. <laughs> along this way, certainly some challenges. Um how were you supported uh, in the midst of even those challenges, but some of the earlier challenges as well? How was your calling supported? Yeah. So I've, I've had, I had and have great leaders and mentors. Um, so my grandfather was a great support. Um, I've never been denied my call. It's always been how can I help? What can I do? Let's work on this. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. And so uh, my grandfather was the one who really instilled in me holiness, sanctification, you know, um, um, uh, uh, leadership, you know. Um, uh, I, my uncle uh, really taught me how to uh, pray and lament and Listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, so Eddie Sip, uh, Laverne Williams, um, uh, Charles McDowell, Bishop Charles McDowell, he was just an amazing teacher mm-hmm. of the word. This man was so awesome, Josh. <laughs> he could take one word. I remember he taught from Genesis 1, 26, for a year solid and never repeated wow. himself. <laughs> he he said to me, McCance, you have the zeal, you have the excitement for ministry, you're, you're, you're gifted, you're anointed, but we got to mm. get some word in you. And so he took his time with me and he would give me biblical assignments and took me through uh, Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, uh, taught me homiletics and human uh, and hermeneutics and uh, how to properly structure sermons and, and how to read a text and let the text speak and not let and don't suppose mm. yourself on it. You know, let, just let the text talk. 
you know, he really taught me how to minister a text, how to look at a text and get understanding, study it, prepare it, and preach it. Um, and then I had, um, let me see, uh, Dr. Eddie Eastell, my superintendent in South Carolina. He, he really walked me through and showed me what it was to lead, you know, um, and he he literally brought me and fathered me into the Nazarene Church. He made sure I understood everything. I knew the interworkings, um, uh, he uh, how to maintain in adversity and conflict, and make and make sure that your character is intact. Um, uh, he um, challenged me in areas of my life. We, uh, we we would have those talks and he would challenge me and have me consider some things and really help bring balance to my life. And then uh, 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 Sam Flores, he, he was a great guy. Uh, you know, uh, he was a visionary, a builder, and gave me some, t- some tidbits mm. about building and vision. You know, uh, Terry Wayman. Um, oh, man, so, so many people who literally took mentors. their time with me to support me. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and all of them uh, have always been um, mm. financial support. Not, not because I needed it, but because they wanted to show me how invested they were. They believed in me. I was supported every step of the way. I can't think of one leader I, that, that, that I've had or came across that, that said to me, something different. They always supported me, whether it was character, spiritual, uh, whatever. Every base was covered. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then, then let me also say, uh, I, my new district superintendent, Pastor Kyle Poole, you know, I, I knew him from back in South Carolina. He was someone, to be honest with you, his church I used to watch before mm. I came into the Nazarene church. Uh, and so his movements yeah, and things pastor. that they did really helped me to uh, fashion myself as to you know what 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 mm-hmm. what it looked like, and now I have opportunity to work with them on, on this district. And once again, he's just providing that great leadership and support to help me transition because now I pastor a church that's already been established for over mm-hmm. thirty or something years. I am not the planner, you know. I'm I'm walking into somebody else's work, you know. I'm their second pastor. They had the same pastor for years, and he's really helping me maneuver through those small little mechanics that are different from when you pass with a church that you planted. <clears throat> so you've been in Georgia for a while now. I, th- I think we can. Yeah, we 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 almost yeah, got our year mark now, Josh. Let me ask you one more question. Um, if you, and it's a uh-huh. little bit different than. Uh, you know, the questions I shared with you before, but if you, yeah. if you woke up tomorrow uh-huh. and everything was perfect, what would that look like? <sighs> Let's see. It would look like um, pastoring a thriving church uh, where the community is the church. Um, that's mm. where our influence is. Uh, raising leaders, ascending leaders, establishing more African-American churches uh, that are strong and solid. 
it it it, it will look like um, me traveling, um, have an opportunity to to share and mentor other young preachers, uh, encourage older preachers, and help equip them for 21st century ministry. Um, it will look like, uh, of course, I will still be writing and producing and music. Um, uh, it would also look mm-hmm. like me being married uh, and being still in, still in love with with her as as mm-hmm. I was when the first day I met her. Uh, it would look like me being a father to wonderful girls uh, who's completed their education and have great husbands and have a chance to have grandchildren. And, uh, it would look yeah. like books being written. Uh, and and maybe even I often joke that when I get old and nobody wants to hear me anymore, I'll be able to teach me a good seminary class and equip mm-hmm. the next generation of leaders. So that's what yeah. it looks like doing ministry, uh, impacting lives, raising leaders, and being that family man, that husband, uh, you know, um, yeah. that model husband uh, and, for, uh, and man to my children and wife. So, yeah, that, that I realized when you said that there's one part of your story we might have jumped over that maybe you would like to say a little bit more about. Um, and that's your, okay. your commitment to. Uh, black churches and african-american churches maybe maybe you don't want to maybe you'd like to um yeah 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 um, yeah i am i am uh what i love about the nazarene church is that we represent the world i mean i mean the gospel for us is for everyone hands down period and uh, the gospel is not just restricted to a preference. I mean, the gospel is literally preached in our denomination mm, in all yeah. kinds of ways. You know, we have we have teachers, we have storytellers, we have uh, comedians, we have uh, for us uh, for African American culture, we have the who you, mm-hmm. you know the holler. You know, I mean, just 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 just. I mean, you go to a Nazarene church, there's no telling what you're gonna get. Only thing you're gonna get for sure. Is Wesley theology? You're going to get holiness, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to get evangelism. You're going to get discipleship. These are these are the things that you're going to get when you get to a Nazarene church. And so, my commitment to the Black ministry is very simple. Um, like I said earlier, my grandfather's church closed because there was there were not enough mm-hmm. leaders or someone available to take over that church. That broke. That those were families that ended up leaving the Nazarene church. Because they couldn't adjust to the transition, I if I was I am committed to empowering mm-hmm. us to stand tall, to stand strong, um, and to multiply uh, uh, and be used in every capacity of our churches uh, um, and in our global church. I, I believe that the African American community. Uh, is, is, is a great community in our church mm. that we are constantly growing and advancing to where we are being represented across the globe uh, in, in our church. Um, and I love yeah. the fact that we yeah. are respected and honored, you know, in our church. And so uh, 
I'm committed to us ha having identity, having presence, um, and being that productive Nazarene church that have leaders, uh, churches, and an opportunity to do ministry. Um, and so that's that, that that's one of my commitments. Mm. Now I know that that's a big tall glass of tea there to drink. <laughs> But hopefully, like just like my family in, in the past have made some sense of uh, change. You know, Charles Johnson is, is, is my cousin. He's my grandfather's first cousin. And so he's made great contributions to the Nazarene Church as an African-American. Uh, my grandfather did as well. Uh, and so I just look forward to uh, continuing that legacy of making great contributions to the church that will empower African American churches to continue to thrive mm -hmm. and be established. In Thank our you so much for sharing your, your voice with us and your journey. Um, <clears throat> some, some wounds there too, that you shared with us. And let me say, uh, hold that sacred. And we'd ask our listeners to hold that sacred as well. Um, yeah. Thank you. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for this, for this opportunity. Like I said before, I just feel, I, I know, that that um, being being that young pastor at one point, searching for answers and looking for something, you know, um, is why I've always tried to be honest and transparent, in hopes that these little experiences would help mm -hmm. uh, whoever may listen, who may be searching, you know, better uh, understand the need for preparation or for ministry. Uh, and to understand calling. And so I thank you so much for having me. And for our listeners, I say thanks for joining us today. I'm glad you're a part of this conversation. I'm glad to be a part of this conversation. At Gainesville First Church of the Nazarene, we are passionate about reserving the spot online for you to connect to God, connect to your neighbor. Uh, if you want to join us in that mission, we do accept volunteers and if you'd like to help us financially in that, you can visit our website. It's in the description. If you'd like to send us a comment or reach out to us, there's another link in the description. You can send a voice message to us asking questions. Uh, you can reach out to us online asking questions. We'd love to connect with you. That's what we're about. Uh, so uh, for now, I just say blessings and peace be the journey.